0: For all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves, but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass, this podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you. What's up, family? How are you doing? You mean to tell me you really came back around to hang out with your boy for another episode? Wow, you're a real one. I can see it. I can see it. I appreciate how you're still hanging with me as we go on this journey. As I always like to say, uh, I'm thankful to God for life and love, and I am thankful to you for listening. You know what? That actually leads me to where I want to start today. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, I should have done an episode just on the power of gratitude and how it should not be just attached to a holiday, but it should be a state of mind. It should be a presence, an attitude, a disposition that you have when you're building without a blueprint. If you want to make it through life without being swallowed up by the tension and by uh the intensity of building without a blueprint you need to live a life of Gratitude. Like that has to be uh, a perpetual state of mind for your peace. So, anyway, this episode is not about that. I should have recorded one if I wanted to talk about gratitude, but I got to get you to part two of this sermon. But before I do that, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving week by starting off with just a moment to connect with you. Here are 10 things very quickly that Princeton Parker is grateful for 10 things I'm grateful for. Number one, I am grateful for God. I think for me, There is no separating uh, me and my faith in God. I literally don't know uh, just how I would be where I am without God. I am so honored and humbled to know God, to be able to have a relationship with God and to be able to be someone who is an advocate for the word of God and the truth of God and the mission of God. So I'm just grateful to God for God. I I love God because of the beauty of God. I wish I had time to just unpack that. The worshiper in me is attached to how beautiful God is, and time with God has proven that and has allowed me to experience that. Above the challenges, above every question, above every experience, there is a beauty that I find in my relationship with God that's just unparalleled anywhere else. So I'm grateful that I have that, and my faith in God has sustained me through every aspect of my life and done for me things that I could never have done for myself and has really just, ah, I could just go on and on and on and on and on. That's just, woo, flowing from my heart. Any, any, Anyway, if you know that song. Number two, I am grateful for lessons learned this year. I learned so much. I love, 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 love the concept of faith. However, I believe in what James says, that faith without works is dead. And so I'm grateful that this year uh, my faith in God has grown, but it hasn't been a stagnant faith. It hasn't been a blind uh, faith in that it's been kind of reckless. It hasn't been um, a faith without intentionality. Like I've put in so much work over the course of this year, and that's work that I'm very excited about and proud of, work that was very difficult. But it it's work nonetheless, and I'm excited to see how those seeds that have been sown in terms of work I've put in on myself, my emotional health, my physical health, um, my calling, my career, so much. I'm excited to see how that's going to manifest, and so I'm grateful for that. You got to be grateful for the work you've put in. I am so grateful for my church. Shout out to Crusade Christian Faith Center in Inglewood, California. If you were ever hanging out in the I, <laughs> if you're ever hanging out. <laughs> Princeton, you're hilarious. If you're ever hanging out in Inglewood, please come visit us at 801 South La Brea in the city of Inglewood, California. Come hang out with us every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. And then if you hang out with us on the last Sunday of the month, you'll get to hang out with the Refreshing Crew, which is the Young Adult Ministry of CCFC. We are so excited to be kind of breathing uh, life into our young adults and being able to have space and a voice and be able to allow God to use us. Those are my folks. I get the privilege of leading them. I get the privilege of worshiping with them. And I get the privilege of... Doing community with them, like that's my family, and so shout out to the refreshing, shout out to everybody who I get to work with at CCFC, the phenomenal, the phenomenal music department, and so I'm grateful for the church. Uh, I have stayed with the church because. And I'm talking about the church at large, not just Crusade, but the church at large because um, I've been able to experience a great degree of community there. And I think if we're going to rescue the future of just kind of people being able to return back to the church, we have to do it through the power of community. So I'm thankful for my church and my community. I am thankful for my family. Thankful for my family. My family that is just always a rock, always a support, just love all y'all. My brother turned 21 this year, wow. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that he's 21 and and still here and living his dreams and walking in the fullness of uh, just who he is. So I'm thankful for incredible friendships. All my closest friends, you know, it ain't but a few of y'all. So you could be listening. To Thank you. A friend, it might not be. Um, I'm just kidding. Wow. Or am I? Uh, <laughs> no, I am so excited that this year has really surfaced um, some powerful friendships. And so there are some folks that have been there for me. Um, in some really cool spots this year. And so I just want to say that I'm grateful for my friends and that the Lord has taught me that you can't be Superman alone. Every now and then you have to be vulnerable and let somebody be there for you. And I'm talking about my close, close friends, my brothers, best friends, and uh, my work friends. You know who you are. Uh, Six, I am thankful for a space to use my gift. Um, I don't take this for granted. I don't take speaking, preaching, inspiring people or any of this for granted. And so I'm really thankful. Number one, that God would choose me to do it. But uh, number two, that that it has space in the earth. I'm grateful for that. Seven, I'm grateful for uh, those folks in the world who have chosen to dedicate their lives to advocacy. And I'm not just talking about people who are on the lines protesting. I'm talking about people who are administering social services. I'm talking about people who are working as therapists, who are getting people rehabilitated and strengthened. I'm talking about people who are prayer warriors and intercessors. If you do something where you advocate for somebody else's health and freedom, I am grateful for you. Because those are the folks who have helped me. Um, I'm going to take that opportunity to say I'm grateful for some really awesome people in uh, my life, like my therapist, who has been huge, huge, huge. Um, who I won't say by name, but I appreciate her so much. Particularly in this time, um, we have been on this journey now because uh, the therapist that I started with, who I have to shout out, who's now on a residency in Hawaii, so sad. Um, but she was uh, my first therapist was critical in just my understanding of who I was and, and the work that needed to be do- that needed to be done in this season. But um, my therapist who I have now, she has just taken that to an additional phenomenal level and, uh, has just been just phenomenal to use that word again. So I'm thankful for advocates, for those who help people get to the next level that they need to be at. Uh, that leads me to number eight. I'm thankful for my mentors, the team of men who I trust with my life four men who I love, love, love dearly. And, uh, I just appreciate y'all my pastor, uh, Bishop Virgil Patterson, uh, my big brother, Jonathan Sprinkles, who I absolutely love and adore and cherish, Uh, Pastor Dwight, big pastor, big brother, and uh, the uncle, Pastor Hosea Collins, Um, you four men have anchored me and strengthened me and been there for me in unprecedented ways. I love every single one of you, and I'm grateful for you Thank you. And uh, I promise to continue to find ways to honor you as a little brother, as a son. Love you. Nine, I'm thankful for life. And number 10, I'm thankful for you. You, you listened to this. You just listened. You you came for a sermon and you got 10 reasons that I was thankful first. And you sat through that. I'm thankful for you. You are my why. I do this for you. I, I don't do this because you know, I hope a lot of people will listen, but that's not the reason. The reason is because whenever you shoot me a message, it's like, hey, that was the word, I needed that. I love it. So here we go. Without further ado, here's what you came for. You came for a word. So we're gonna go back into it. Here's don't worry. I'm just growing. Part two. And I'm grateful for you and your journey. Here we go. Let's get into it. In Exodus chapter 13, this is where the group of Israel finds themselves in, is a position where God is now going to begin to deal with them. Now, right before our text that we read in Exodus 13, let me tell you what has just happened. What has just happened is God freed them from the claws and the oppression and the slavery of Egypt. That's what happened right before this. So by the time we come to our text in Exodus chapter 13, we are dealing with the people who are emancipated, but they are not free. And I'm going to touch that in a minute. They are emancipated but they're not free I'll get back to it so when we see God dealing with them they have just come out of Egypt but now God wants to deal with them one-on-one as a people in these 400 years they've been in slavery God has been able to deal with Moses he's been able to deal with persons in their development but now he wants to deal with them as a group of people right and so we know that they are leaving Egypt they just got set free out of slavery and it's been clear that now God is going to take them to a place called Canaan Canaan is the land that God says it is yours. It's the land where you will be able to spread out as a group of people. But in the meantime, God deals with them in a process where our text says that God had an opportunity to lead them a direct route from Egypt to where he told them they're going to go. Scholars position that this route could have been as simple as 250 to 300 miles, which for a group as large as this people would not have been hard. It would have taken them a month. Imagine that. It would have taken them a month. But the Bible records that the time it took for them to get out of Egypt into Canaan was 40 years. A month-long journey equates to 40 years, and the Bible says that the beginning of that was God's idea. I'm not going to take you the straight way. I'm going to take you through some kind of in-between. I know that I could put you out of one thing and into another, but that doesn't help what I'm trying to do in you. Why? Because Egypt, stay with me right here through here, Egypt represents their slavery. Canaan represents their freedom. And the wilderness represents who they need to become in between both. Let me say it again. Egypt is slavery. Canaan is true freedom. Egypt is your trauma. Canaan is your wholeness. But the wilderness is the time for you to form into who you need to be between both. Okay. Egypt is the abuse you suffered under the hands of your family. Canaan is who you're going to be with a family. But the wilderness is the time that you get healed from the abuse and formed into somebody who can have a family. See, See, Egypt is the time when you failed school. Canaan is the time where you're going to write books. But the wilderness is the process that you go from losing those bad study habits, from learning how to read again, from spending time by yourself so that you can become who you need to be to read the books, Egypt was your last relationship that didn't look anything like God. And Canaan is going to be the relationship where you're not codependent, where you are serving as two co-equal partners. But the wilderness is the time by yourself where God says, let me talk to you and let me let you know what you did wrong in that relationship. Let me show you how it wasn't the other person, it was you. Let me show you how I love you even though you messed up. And it is the place where you are formed. And what I need to tell you today is that you cannot have Canaan if you do not fully embrace the wilderness. You do not deserve Canaan if you haven't suffered through the wilderness. You cannot complain about not getting to Canaan if you haven't reconciled with the wilderness. You can't enjoy being with somebody if you haven't enjoyed being alone first. You can't enjoy preaching if you haven't enjoyed studying first. You can't enjoy owning a business if you haven't been an employee first. You've got to spend some time in the wilderness so that God can form you into who you need me to be. And when you get discouraged in the wilderness, when you feel like you don't deserve to be there, when you feel like God is punishing you, that's when you Speak to your spirit and say, Don't worry, fam. I'm just growing. And if I stay in here long enough, I'm going to grow into who I need to be. And Canaan is just around the corner. He has to divert them because if you're taking notes, write this down. Change of environment. Is not freedom. Change of environment is not freedom. Change of character is. Change of environment. Okay, you got another job. Whoop de doo. Congrats. If you're still the same employee, the same outcome's gonna happen. Appreciate you. You found another relationship. Okay, great. Y'all look cute. If you're the same you, it's going to play out the same way. I'm telling you. I'm telling you it is. Appreciate you went to another church because you, you know, you got mad. Okay, God bless you. But if the character in you is not developed... You're going to realize that all these churches are the same. My grandmother used to say it like this. She used to say, it's the same spirits with different faces. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Granny. Change of environment is not freedom. Change of character is. This is why we have African Americans who can vote but are still problematic like they slaves. You hear them talk, you'd be like, Whoa. You, you something didn't happen up here. It's change of character. So now God says, "I want to form you into a people group because let's let's unpack your trauma. Let's unpack the trauma of slavery. You've had to live your entire life on resources that weren't yours. That's traumatic." Many of us, that's how we grew up in families. You you got, uh, man, I talked to my grandparents and the stories, we got 50 cent to make it through the week. Whoa. 50 cent, Lord Jesus. That's traumatic. It is. All the old saints is like, tell me about it. Testify. <laughs> Seasoned saints was like, listen, child, your 24-year-old double-breasted suit wearing self don't know nothing about them times. Up there, getting them checks from Disney. Don't know nothing about when we was. You're right, I don't. Told... And I celebrate you all so much. That wasn't funny. Why did y'all laugh at that? I was serious. Don't loop that up with the other funny stuff I was saying. I really do look up to our season saints. Let me give you these things. I'm I'm already close out of time. The first thing we see about God forming them as a people group, right? He's unpacking some of their trauma. It is traumatic when you live life on limited resources. It is traumatic when you live life with someone telling you what to do because you have lost your agency, right? They don't know how to direct themselves because for 400 years, they've been told what to do. They have been whipped, like literally physically abused in the process of slavery. And so the reason why God led them out of the way, right? The Bible says it in our text that we read, because he said the Philistines are in the way, in the direct route. So if they go the direct way, that's the closest way to get out of here. It's not going to lead them to the Red Sea. It's going to be a quicker route. But because they've been abused for so long, they're going to see an army and they're going to shrivel up, literally. Because for hundreds of years, they've been fit, like physically abused and beaten. They don't know how to be an army yet. They've literally lost their agency. They've lost their economics. They don't have a place to call their own. They don't have a belief system. They don't have a structure right to their people group. And so God says, I've got to take you. Now, the first thing I love that God says is he took them the long way around. Somebody say the long way around. It interests me that God looks at the direct route and says, no, we're going to take the long way. You ever meet those kind of people that's like they want to drive the way they feel like it? You're like, no, 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 no. Waze is telling us we can get there in 17 minutes. Yeah, but I like when I go down Martin Luther King, I get to see where I grew up and all that. It's like, no, fam, if there's a direct way, then let's go fam. Anyway, and so God, God took them the long way around. Is there anybody who can look over your life and see some times where God could have done some stuff in an instant, but instead he took you the long way around? Is there anybody that has been through some long way around testimonies? Oh, I know what it is to go the long way around. You've heard my story about Disney right now, but what you may not know is that the very first time I applied, I heard nothing back after a while. Oh, because God had to take me the long way around. Oh, you might know that I graduated from USC See, but what you may not know is that when they admitted me, they admitted me in the spring, not the fall. And so I had to watch as my friends got to go and meet people and move in and get to get acclimated to culture. And I got there in January 2012 and didn't know anybody. Why? Because every now and then God will take you the long way around. Oh, but what I love about it is when he takes me the long way around, it's because he's protecting me from something. And you get to the point where you say, "Lord, I value your protection. Lord, I know that you know more than I do. Lord, I know that you see more than I see, Lord." I know that you have more than I have. And so I'm just going to buckle up and hang on for the ride. Oh, he's taking you the long way around. I know you're not married yet. You're just going the long way around. I know you haven't gotten your degree yet. You're just going the long way around. I know you don't have the business yet. You're just going the long way around. I know that you haven't gotten to that division yet. You're just going the long way around. I know you gotta go to junior college first. Don't you be tripping off nobody else who seems like they're getting it before you. Don't you worry about their timeline. They ain't got nothing to do with you. God is taking you the long way around. And it's not because he's mad at you. It's not because he don't like you. It's because he sees something that you're not ready for. But the thing about going the long way around is that when you finally get there, you'll show up ready. When you finally get there, you'll show up complete. When you finally get there, you'll show up whole. When you finally get there, you'll show up with a testimony. Okay, I got to give these to you. My time is up. Number one, you know you're growing when you can peacefully renegotiate your timeline. Write that down if you're taking notes. I've got to zip through these. My time is up. One, you know you're growing when you can peacefully renegotiate your timeline. Dr. Matthew Stevenson, our Chicago hero of mine, said this, and I forget it. He said, You have nothing to prove. The next time you feel bad about not making it to one of your deadlines, I want you to ask yourself this question as you process your heart. Who told me it had to be by that time? And when you do that work, it will pull out some things. Can I tell you, just being straight up, a lot of my deadlines, can I tell you where they came from? They came from a feeling of having to overachieve so that I could believe I had value. I started preaching at four. So this year, I was literally thinking about this two weeks ago. I've been preaching 20 years. So when you do anything that young, and and if you do it remotely well or with any success... I started to believe that everything had to come that quickly. Look, fam, I, I've got to i got hurry up and graduate. i got to hurry up and get an impressive job so people think that I'm still worth something. I, I have to. I, I, I've got to be married. Like, I've, I've got to move because I have to achieve because I always have. And if I don't achieve for two seconds, who am I? You've got to interrogate where your deadlines come from. Bet money, nonsense out of ten, they don't come from God. So you know you're growing when you can successfully negotiate. Your timeline. Point number two, he could not take them straightway out of Egypt because they were out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them. When we have been through any type of trauma, the hard part is when you realize that a lot of that trauma didn't just happen to you. A lot of that stuff got in you. When you've only seen life lived a certain way, you can't just grow up and think that because you didn't like how you grew up, you're going to be different. That's all you've seen. So some of that, it's like hanging out with, with people who smoke. It's like you might not ever take a hit. And you know what's real? No, weed smell is different. Oh, y'all tensed up. Y'all got real churchy on me real quick. It's okay. I'm going to talk to the nine people who still know some people who still smoke weed, okay? I'm going to talk to the nine of y'all. The rest of y'all that are so saved, you know, I'll meet you after. I'll still shake your hand. I'm still preaching to you, just not right now. Were you around people, you ever get in somebody's car that still hit hitting, you know what I'm saying? And you don't have to. But you come out and it smells like you... <laughs> And then depending on where you're going after, now you got to apologize to people. Like, listen, I just want you to know, you know, it's my homeboy. I don't, I just, I know what it looks like or it smells like, but. (laughs) I, I say that jokingly. That's how trauma is. That's how pain is. You don't have to be involved in it for it to get in you. So point number two, you know you're growing when you start taking ownership of the fact that the things you hate most in other people Are in you too. I want to be a part of an I'm the problem generation where you stop being obsessed over haters and friends, and at some point you have to own, like, yo, fam, yeah, I'm upset about some stuff you did. But a lot of that was me. A lot of that was me too. Number three, there were several moments. Whereas Israel is being led through the wilderness, they began to complain. They began to complain to Moses because they felt like it was worth it for them to go back to Egypt. Why? Because what it cost them to be healed made their trauma look more attractive. Let me say that again. What it cost them to be healed made their trauma more attractive. Your pain will expose what you still have a taste for. Pain will make you go back to stuff that you didn't know you still liked. It's easy when we're preaching or in a good job or in a relationship to just be so certain of how we've changed. And then you lose that and you start to go back to who you were so proud of that you had changed from. So you know that you're growing when you're okay without temporary fixes. You know you're growing when your taste changes. Is there anybody who's gotten a point in your life where you just like, look, fam, this is super uncomfortable in my life, but I sure ain't got a taste for what I had before this. Number four, they begin to be mad at Moses. They begin to be mad at God because they were looking at how long they had been in Egypt, 400 years. They thought, fam, 400 years for 40 years, this doesn't add up. But I want to let you know how long you suffered does not entitle you to success. Okay? If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. How long you suffered does not entitle you to success. The work you put in on your heart does. And we can have compassion for people, and we should. We can have empathy and see them for where they are. But that doesn't mean you deserve. Like some people be like, yo, I was hurt in this context, so I deserve to be promoted here. And sometimes if we're not careful in trying to help people and heal them when they join our churches or when they come into our fellowships or our relationships or our lives, we can believe that a part of healing them means to give them something, to automatically promote them. But I can see you and have empathy for you and still not promote you beyond the work you've put in on your heart. Point number four, you know you're growing when you start seeking ways to work on your own. Number five, their hearts were revealed when they finally got to the promised land, but refused to move in on it. So Exodus 13, right? God says, I'm not going to show you the Philistines because if you see them, they will make you turn back. Okay. In numbers 13, numbers 13, they get to the promised land and God says, go and spy it out. And they see the Amalekites who appear like giants. In the same form as the Philistines would have. Because remember, Goliath, who David fought eventually, was a descendant of the Philistines, right? So that same giant nature. Now, here's what that tells you. In Exodus 13, God says, I'm not going to let you see them. In Numbers 13, he sends them to see them. Watch this. Because you know you're growing when God makes you face things he used to shield you from. You know you're growing when God makes you face things in this season that he used to shield you from in the last season. See, the last season, you were just coming out of your trauma and you were just dealing with that pain, so I shielded you from some stuff. But when it's time to walk in, oh, you got to be ready to move when I say move. And that means you got to see them jokers for who they are. You got to have that difficult conversation. You got to forgive them people. You got to learn how to say no. You got to put your family in check. You got to get yourself in therapy. You got to send that email. Oh, the last time I sent them to you. But this time, since you've grown, I'm going to send you to it. They've grown. They've been in the wilderness. God shielded them from it in Exodus 13. In Numbers 13, he sends them to it. And you know what they do? They lock up. For the very thing they prayed for, they lock up. They were begging God for this. This was all that they had ever wanted. And they were looking at it and and they said, we're not enough. And if you don't grow, you'll be standing in the midst of what God told you he was going to give you. And he'll tell you it's yours. And you won't go get it because you don't think you're enough. I got to move. Five, you know you're growing when you don't avoid difficult situations. Number six, the generation that did that, that refused to obey God and take the land, he punished them and he said, this is why you're going to keep going until 40 years is up. Because you didn't have enough faith to believe me. I grew you. I gave you my law. I did everything I could to prove to you that I love you and I think you're separate. I asked you to finally own it and you couldn't. That means it's going to take longer than you ever thought it would because your heart's not where it's at. But there were two people in Numbers 13. Joshua and Caleb would say, yeah, I know what it looked like, fam, but I still think we can take it. They said, I I know what my mama and them said. I know what my mama and them don't believe. They had enough faith to get out of Egypt, but not enough to get into Canaan. Wish I could preach that. You know you're growing When you forgive yourself for the things that weren't your fault. And when you decide not to repeat the mistakes of the generation before you. Last one and we're done. You know you're growing when you learn to enjoy the experience. He took him the long way, fam, because he wanted to teach him it's not about Canaan. It's not about Egypt. It's about you and me. It's not about running away from your past. And it's not about over-obsessing over your future. It's about standing in this moment, loving the beauty of the God who's holding both. And loving yourself while you stand in the in-between. What's E-flat? What's E-flat? I want to preach and then we're going to go. That's E-flat. Okay, great. So. Can I preach and then we go? I promise I'm done. I would imagine that if Paul could have talked to the children of Israel. I I, I would imagine that if the Apostle Paul could have a conversation with Israel, he would tell them uh, that that I know, I know that, that you're in the wilderness. And I know that it feels like it's taking too long. Oh, but you've got to know that you're not going through it. You're growing through it. I imagine that Romans 5 was written to not just the people in Rome, but I imagine Paul was writing to his own culture. He was writing to his Jewish ancestors when he said that we glory in tribulation. I feel the glory of God this morning. He said, we glory in tribulation. Why? Not because it's comfortable and not because we like going through pain and it's not because we just think it's so glorious but we glory in tribulation because we know that it's producing something. Well Paul what is it producing? My tribulations are producing patience because of my tribulation I learned how to wait on God Now before you check out of the message, it's not just about a wait because there are some people who are waiting but they're not working see patience is about the work you put in on your character patience is the ability to look at yourself and say I love me but I still got some more work to do patience is the ability to text somebody and say hey we need to talk patience is the ability to make sure that no matter what happens you still have a seek in your heart no matter what goes on you've learned how to make sure that your prayer life is consistent your prayer life is consistent when you hurt you're still in prayer and when you're happy you're still in prayer when they give you the job you're still in prayer and when they fire you you're still still in prayer when you get out of a relationship you're still in prayer and when you find new bay you're still in prayer when you join a new church you're still in prayer when you're not preaching for a little bit you're still in prayer and when you're preaching three times a week you're still in prayer the reason why God is holding you right in and through here. It's so that you can get in the place where you say no matter what happened one thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after to behold The beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. No matter what you do, don't stop seeking God. Don't stop working on yourself. Don't stop having difficult conversations. Don't stop studying. Don't stop applying. Don't stop listening. Don't stop speaking. Don't stop processing. Don't stop crying. Do the work because tribulation will bring about patience. That is the ability to consistently put in work. Whatever I get in this next season of my life, it won't be because of a prophecy. It won't be because I gave $100. It won't be because I shouted. It won't be because I minister so-and-so. The next thing that I get in this season is going to be because I put in work. I put in work on my ministry. I put in work on my anointing. I put in work on my mind. I put in work on my family. I put in work on my past. I put in work on my trauma. I put in work on my illnesses. I put in work on my degree. And I put in work on my heart. I put in work on my ability to love people. I put in work on my ability to say no. I put in work on my ability to say yes. And when you have endured patience, then patience brings experience I said patience brings experience and when you have experience you might not have enjoyed everything that you went through but you'll look at your life and say I learned some stuff I see life differently I see God differently I've learned some stuff can I be honest with you where I grew up I hang out with seasoned saints a lot. I hang out with them a lot. I grew up around seasoned saints. And first lady, they used to tell me something that I used to hate. They would give me some advice and I would be feeling real bad about what I was going through. And you know what they would say? They had nerve enough to tell me. In my moment of despair, they said, that's all right, son, keep on living. honest that used to upset me it made me feel like they didn't care about what I was going through it made me feel like they didn't understand it made me feel like they were insensitive but in actuality they had read Romans 5 and Again, the same God that brought me out of Egypt is the same God that's going to bring me through the wilderness, the same God that brought me out of my house is the same God send me to another one. And the Bible says that when you've gone through tribulation, it will produce patience, which is the ability to consistently work on what you're working on and then trust God in time. And all all of that patience will eventually produce experience and then the experience Let's go home. The experience brings about hope. I'm optimistic now because I've walked with God long enough to know that He that had begun a good work, He will, He will, He will, He will perform it. On the day of Jesus Christ. I just came to tell somebody, you're not going through it, you're growing through it. I know it hurts, but you're growing. You never thought you'd be here, but you're growing. It feels like you're alone, but you're growing. It feels like life has forsaken you, but you're growing. It feels like you're being punished, but you're growing. You feel like you lost yourself, but you're growing. You don't know who you are. But you're growing. You don't know what to do next. But you're growing. I'm growing through this. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, my Savior went on Calvary. And when he was nailed to the cross, everything standing in my way was nailed to the cross with him. Everything that was preventing me from growing was nailed to the cross when he was nailed and he was put in the tomb but three days later he got up out of the grave with all power in his hands and he said if I got up then that means there's nothing that you could ever go through that you can't get up from there's nothing that you could ever do that you can't grow from I've come to tell you on my way back to LA don't stop growing I've got to grow I've got to grow if I don't grow I'll lose my purpose if I don't grow I'll lose my relationship if I don't grow I'll lose my wife if I don't grow I'll lose my children if I don't grow I'll lose my family if I don't grow I'll lose my job and I'm growing until we're gone has taken me to be growing your marriage, grow in your home. Whatever you do, don't stop growing. And as I close, I remember as a kid watching the commercial for Men's Warehouse, and there was a man by the name of George Zimmer, and he was an entrepreneur, and he owned a lot of businesses. And at the end of every Men's Warehouse commercial, he would sell to you their suits but pastor what i don't like about men's warehouse is i think they're too expensive for what they offer there uh, and, and as i was considering how expensive it was i'm sure they knew that that people would think they were too expensive so how do you get people to buy what they think is too expensive he used to close every commercial by saying this he would say you're gonna like the way you look child of God I know it's expensive to grow I know it's expensive to trust God I know it's expensive to pursue purpose I it's expensive to love yourself. I know it's expensive to keep praying. I know it's expensive to let go. I know it's expensive to forgive, but I came as a prophet to to tell you you're going to like the way you look when you're all grown up. You're going to like the way you look when you're whole again. You're going to like the way you look when you're in your own house. You're going to like the way you look with a new and anointing. You're going to like the way you look when you love yourself. And the most important thing is that God is going to like the way I look when he's through with me. Is there anybody here that says I'm going to grow until God is proud of me? Somebody shout I'm growing. Everyone standing, everyone standing, everyone standing. Everyone standing. Everyone standing. Everyone standing. Grow fam, grow, 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 grow. It hurts, it does, man, it hurts. And your body wants to tell you you did something wrong. That's what happens when you're in the gym. When you're in the gym and you're sore, Everybody say, see, That's why you can't go to the gym because you do it wrong. Your body hurts. It's like, no, you, you didn't do anything wrong. That's just the pain of what growth feels like. What's interesting is growth and death sometimes feel the same. But Jesus put it this way He said, unless you allow the wheat to fall to the ground and die, it will not be able to come up again. I want to do something very, very quickly. We started off talking to ourselves. We're going to end talking to ourselves, okay? I don't need a whole lot of time to do it. Put me in A-flat. I don't have a whole lot of time, but I want you to close your eyes. Many of us don't grow because we're still punishing ourselves for Egypt. Egypt wasn't your fault, fam. You you didn't control who you were born to. You didn't control that person's decisions to hurt you. They made those decisions. Stop carrying undue weight. Holy Spirit wants to know that that wasn't your fault. I know you didn't handle it the best. I know that there were days where we self-medicated instead of trusting God. We've all done it. I've done it. Stop punishing yourself. One of the things that was so powerful that I heard when I was going through and unpacking and becoming better. This lady on a podcast, she said, self-care is not taking yourself on trips and, and all that. That stuff, that stuff is great. She said, self-care is the ability to speak to the child in you with compassion. Many of us, if we saw a three-year-old right now get hit by a semi, would not go yell at the kid. If you did, that's abuse. We wouldn't go yell at the kid and say, well, well, why was you in the street? And and, and why couldn't you? And why didn't you? And and the kid's three. We would rush to get it and say, oh, man, are you okay? Oh, God, hang in there. Oh, God, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be all right. And can I tell you that most of us have way more compassion for everybody else except us. So you're going to close your eyes for these next three minutes. You're going to talk to yourself. And I want you to talk to yourself the way you would talk to somebody who was hurt with the same thing you were hurt with that wasn't you. Oh, we good at counseling people, especially in church. I want you to take that same language, and I want you to talk to yourself as if you were literally out of body. I want you to start by calling your own name and saying, I forgive you. Now, everything that you've gone through, begin to talk to yourself. You got the words. The problem is you use it for everybody else except you. For a few minutes, tell yourself, man, that wasn't your fault. You've been through a lot, man. I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of how you're still standing. Come on, talk to yourself. Yo, you really survived that. You really, you really, come on, talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. You really survived that. There you have it, fam. That was part two of the message entitled "Don't Worry, I'm Just Growing." Every time I listen back to that, I realize that that is a word that I have not outgrown by any stretch of the imagination. That is a word that that still is so relevant to my life. I wish I could say that I was "quote unquote" there. I wish I could say that things all worked out and they're all figured out, but The truth of the matter is I'm still in that season where I am in the in-between, working out every piece and every step. And it's very hard work. And it's work with no end in sight, if I'm being very honest. It's work that feels like, yo, God, haven't I been doing enough? But what keeps me going is that ending. That is why, um, I close the messages the way I do, um, is that at some point you should be able to get three things, right? You should be able to, uh, have the problem explained to you. You should have the answer taught to you and then the hope preached to you or given to you again. Right. Um, tell me, you know, identify with what I'm struggling with. You give me a couple of answers as to how I can deal with this or how I can locate it in my life when I leave the doors. Um, and then give me hope, (laughs) um, hope that allows me to have the courage to put those things into practice that you just preached about. And so I live that every day, that in-between, that wilderness, that push through, like God, I'm growing in all these areas where you're making me face things that you used to just work out for me. You're making me make decisions. I used to be able to pray and you would work things out for me. And now you're causing me to make decisions and fight for certain things and say no to some things and yes to others. And I've struggled with that a lot, (laughs) Uh, that idea of, man, you know, am I being killed? (laughs) What is happening? Um, But really, we're just growing in the hope, the hope, the preached hope at the end, right, is you're going to like the way you look. You're going to like the way you look whole. You're going to like the way you look, um, what the book of James calls being perfect and entire, being mature, lacking nothing. And you will, we will look back at this time and go, "Godly, the sufferings of this present time or of that time weren't even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be and one day will be. And We'll be able to look back and say, has been revealed in us. So I, I hope it blessed you. That is one of, by far, one of my favorite things that God has ever said through me was that message. So hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please, 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 uh, Shout shout me out some kind of way. Not shout me out. Shout out to me some kind of way. Uh, shoot me an email at buildingwithprinceton at gmail.com. You can direct message me uh, on Instagram. Love to chat with you. Message me on Twitter. Message me on Facebook. Um, wherever I am, just shoot me a note and say that, that this helped you or blessed you or any questions that you have. I would love, love, love to engage with you. Once again, that's buildingwithprinceton at gmail.com, or you can follow me at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of the things, um, at Princeton Parker. I'm gonna ask you to do one more thing. I'm gonna ask you to like, subscribe, and write a review for the podcast if you can. Um, That would really, really, really help out so that other people can find out about this podcast. And uh, I believe that this is good stuff for people who are building without a blueprint. As always, I appreciate you. I love you. I'm praying for you. If no one else is, I'm praying for you. And if you just want to shoot me a note to let me know how I can continue to pray for you and what you want me to be praying for, I'd love to be praying for you because we are in this thing together. All right, till next time. With God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation, keep building family.